Hello, church family. Uh, my name is Owen. Um, I'm just going to be reading scripture today from uh, Colossians 4, verse 2 to 18. If you have your Bible, feel free to open it and read along. Uh, the words will also be on the screen above. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow servant, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort for me. Epaphus, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He was always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you have completed the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Thanks, Owen. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Owen, for uh, reading the final verses in uh, the book of Colossians uh, for us. We are in the last uh, part of our journey in our summer preaching series Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, in this part of our uh, Pauline epistle, we learn a few more interesting details about the, the church at Colossae. We learn some more things about Paul's story and the, the story of a number of his associates. It is uh, actually quite an intriguing, intriguing passage, and I'm excited about how God wants to speak uh, through it to us uh, here and now. But if I'm honest with you, I wasn't always so, so excited about this passage. <laughs> um, can, I, can I give you a little like behind-the-scenes look in how we um, plan and prepare for our summer preaching series? Can I do that? Okay. Seeing no objections and no one else with a microphone. Uh, here's, a little, here's a little peek behind the curtain, okay? So um, during the winter, we set aside time in our, our weekly Tuesday morning pastoral staff meeting um, to, to pray, uh, to plan to pitch and to pray some more uh, about our summer, um, our summer preaching series. Now, typically, most of our other series, of course, uh, are, are, are things that Pastor Jamie 
uh, takes care of, that he plans and prepares. He's led, by, led and guided by the Holy Spirit in that. He's our lead pastor. He's our primary preaching pastor, and that's just one of the things he does. But for our summer series, it usually involves more of us. More of us are a part of it, and so we enter into this kind of collaborative process together. And so each one of us individually goes and we pray, we seek the Lord, and we say, you know, God, what would you want to say to, uh, to your people at Seven Oaks this summer uh, through your word? And uh, then we get, we get together on kind of this first uh, time that's set apart for this, this first meeting set apart for this, and, and everyone just shares. This is what I sense God is, is saying to me. And so we talk about it, we, we pray about it, we discuss it, we look at the different options. And once we have a sense of unity through prayer um, on how God is leading us, then we just, we kind of map it out. We say, okay, it's this passage or th- these sections, and we have this many Sundays, and we're going to break it up like this. And then we assign, okay, who's going to speak? And Who's going to look, at, look after this part and that part? And, and we go from there. And uh, so this winter, that process kind of, that's how it played out. Uh, we, I remember we got together and we, we came to a place where we had um, prayerfully this sense of unity that God was calling us to walk through an epistle together. Uh, and as, as we prayed about it, we, 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 we felt God leading us to Colossians. And so we divided the book up into eight parts because we had eight sun, Sundays this summer that we were doing that. We had one standalone Sunday, you might remember a month ago, for a missions focus. We had eight Sundays. And then in the process, what happens next is Pastor Brian, he is our HR pastor. He knows everyone's schedule and, and uh, holidays and ministry commitments and stuff. And so he fills us in on all that. And then the, the Sundays are assigned accordingly. So based on everyone's uh, commitments and plans and schedules, uh, this last week in the this, in this series was the only one that, uh, that I could be a part of in this way. And so it was assigned to me. Now, what you need to know about this is originally, actually, I was not assigned all that Owen just read for us. It was only the second half. And I was assigned verses 7 to 18. And as I was sitting there in the room, I was sitting next to Jamie, and Jamie sort of turned to me, and he said something like this. I I don't want to quote him verbatim because he'll rebuke me later if I get it wrong, but he said something like this. He said, you've got a sweet passage. And I've I've read Colossians a good number of times in in my life, and um, in that moment, I was really struggling to remember how this was a sweet passage. (laughs) Um, like, I knew how Paul liked to end his letters, right? He'd give these, these you know, greetings and salutations and updates on what's going on and prayer for what, Lord willing, he would be doing next and all these kinds of things. And I thought, how am I, how am I going to preach on that? How am I going to preach on verses 7 to 18? And, and I, was, I was sitting there, and, and I actually, while the meeting was going on, discussions were happening, I, I, I took out my Bible, and, and I was like, i got to reread this, because maybe, Jamie said it's sweet, so maybe there's something I'm missing. And so I, I began to read it. I read verses 7 to 18, and then I kind of leaned over to, to Jamie, and I said something along the lines of, how is this a sweet passage? Like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Uh, I mean, like, Br- Pastor Brian, he, he preached a couple of, 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 uh, of times in this series last week. He had a verse that said this, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I could preach so many weeks on that one verse alone, and yet here I was with verses four, you know, chapter 4, verses 17 to 18. Um, and I seriously thought for a moment, like, maybe Jamie is joking with me, or he's like, oh, are you up for the challenge of, of preaching something that's a little bit different? And, um, but then he, he said something in response to me. He said something along the lines of this. He said, this is a sweet passage because it speaks how the mission of God carries on. He said, this is about how the gospel moves forward. I went away from that meeting and I spent time reading and praying through the passage and through the letter as a whole. 
And I began to see what Jamie was getting at. I began to see some of the sweetness. We've, uh, we've talked a lot in this series um, about the, the central focus uh, of the letter, found in chapter 1, verse 27, which is the theme of it, right? Uh, the, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and that is, uh, as we look at this ending of the letter, we're going to see a little bit about how that, uh, the, uh, the Colossians are encouraged to go and, and to live that out. This young church at Colossae had heard the good news of the gospel. It was proclaimed to them by this guy named Epaphras, this faithful servant. And they believed in who Jesus was and what he has done. However, sometime after that, they began, there began to be other teachings creeping up in their community. We don't know if they were from within or they were outside. And it was starting to, to mess up the people's understanding. And they lost a focus on Christ. They lost a, a focus on Jesus, and they, they started focusing on ritual and ceremony and, and sets of rules and, and guidelines and things like that. And so Paul, who has a, a great passion for uh, the, the church and for God's kingdom growing and being healthy, he hears about this and he writes this letter. He puts it in the hand of this guy, Tychicus, who is accompanied by uh, Tychicus with another kind of faithful dude who had partnered in, in ministry with Paul. And he's accompanied by this guy, Onesimus, who has a really, really interesting story. And he sends them to Colossae to help the Colossians remember the truth that they had first put their faith in. And as Paul closes the letter in verses 7 to, uh, 7 to 18, and also in the first part, verses 2 to 6, he reminds, he encourages the Colossians that they too are a part of God's mission to this world. That they have a mission, and that mission is to make Christ known. And that's what makes this passage so sweet and what it's all about. Let me just pray for us for a moment before we, we, we look at this a little bit deeper. God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I, I thank you so much for uh, this time and the space that we have to come together and to gather, Lord. I thank you so much for the prayer that's been happening this morning in our building for the service, that, that hearts would be open to what you want to say. God, I thank you so much for these praises we've sung I thank you for this testimony you heard from our, our sister Angie, Lord. Thank you for how you've been at work in her life and how you're working in her ministry, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we come under your word now, as we, as we listen to what it says, as we ponder what that means for our lives, I, I just ask that you'd speak to us. That there are so many people in this room and there are so many different angles and complexities and Paul's saying so many things here. I pray that whatever's going on in our hearts and our lives, that you'd block it all out so that we would hear what you want to say to us. Lord, be with us in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. I, uh, I believe that today God wants to encourage us, just like he did the Colossian. He wants to remind us uh, that each one of us, has, uh, each, each one of us who is a follower of Jesus, uh, that you are a part of God's mission to this world, and he longs for you to be someone who makes Jesus known. And, and first let me say this. Um, Sharing the good news of Jesus is something that is for all followers of Christ. This is not something that's for a select few. It's not, it's not something for those who maybe have a gift or, or, or have a certain kind of personality or whatever. This is something that we see in Scripture that all followers of Jesus are called to. We could look to the, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 or in Acts 1 of, of how Christ's disciples are, are, are brought into this mission. And it's God's plan to save his, save his world through his followers. 
through them telling the story of who he is and what he has done and what that means for us as humanity and how that enables us to live life the way that God created us to live life. And so we have, if you, if you, call, if you say, oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm a Christian, you are called into this mission in the same way that the Colossians were, in the same way uh, that Paul was. So how can, how can you do that? How can you be on mission for Jesus? What might that look like in your life? Let's just spend a few minutes just walking through the, some of these verses and see how Paul might, might guide us in that. We're not going to, there's a lot here. We're not going to get to everything, but we're going to get to a bunch of, of things. And so first off, I think that uh, one of the things that Paul talks a lot about in, in, in this passage, and um, I think if you've, been, if you've been in the church, this is kind of maybe a staple or basic, but I think Paul talks about it in a powerful way here, and that is, is prayer. Prayer is an activity worth being devoted to. As followers of Jesus, we're called to devote ourselves to prayer, to spending time talking to and listening to our Lord. In chapter, or sorry, in verse two, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Paul calls for devotion to prayer, that, that we would be watchful for how God answers prayer and be thankful for that. What are the things in your life that you're devoted to? What would you say that you have devoted yourself to, you, you, you hold in high devotion? Uh, if, I, if I were to answer from the heart, yeah, I would say things like, yeah, I'm devoted to Jesus. I'm devoted to my wife. I'm devoted to our kids. I'm devoted to, to serving uh, to his church. But there's also some other things in my life that I'm devoted to that are, that are less meaningful and less important. I'm I'm devoted to a local sports team. Um, I'm devoted to my hobbies. I'm, I'm devoted to, uh, especially in this last year, I'm devoted to traveling. Um, there's all these things that I, 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 I place time and energy and effort in and high priority in. And yeah, how, how much am I devoted to prayer is a question I've been pondering with. How much are, are you devoted to prayer? Um, I don't know if you... I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know if prayer is a, like a, a, just a part of the rhythm of your day. But I think this is what Paul's calling us to. And Paul goes on later on in the letter, verse 12. Uh, he, he talks about a type of devotion to prayer that I think is powerful. He, he's describing Epaphras, this, uh, this evangelist, this, this dude who first brought the good news to Colossae, the guy who started the church there. And he describes him this way. He says, Epaphras, he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Epaphras, the founder of the Church of Colossae, prayed in such a way that it was like, uh, Paul describes it as being physically straining on his body. Imagine if we devoted ourselves to prayer in the same way that so many people devote themselves to making their body physically fit. Prayer, um, prayer in our lives can't be relegated simply to, you know, before we eat some food or before we fall asleep at night or when crisis hits our lives. Prayer is an essential part of the life of someone who is following Jesus or called to be devoted to it. As uh, I have the privilege of shepherding our, our youth ministries here at Seven Oaks, uh, prayer is an area that always concerns me. Uh, most of our students who come into youth, not all, 
but most of them, they start off very, very uncomfortable with praying. They tell us that they don't do it much in their daily lives, um, that they don't really know how to do it, and that they're definitely uncomfortable doing it, even in a, just with a small group, just with a couple people present. However, it is always so encouraging as we journey with students over months and over years, and we see them grow in prayer. It's something that we, we talk about in our, in our ministry. Um, it's always great the, to, to, that first time you get to hear a student pray out loud in, in a small group setting, or the, the first time that they accept the invitation to be the, the person who opens or closes uh, a communal time of, of prayer in a, in a small group. Uh, going into this new school year, we are carving out more space and time for connecting in small group settings to help our young people not only feel comfortable praying, but also experiencing God in prayer, hearing from God in prayer, and seeing how he answers prayer. All the, the generations of our church family are called to live a life devoted to prayer. Verses uh, 3 and 4 talk about this this way. Um, Paul talks about this as it pertains to being a part of God's mission to the world. He describes how we might focus our prayer. Um, he says this, And for us, too, that God may pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. We should be praying for God to open doors, for us to be able to clearly communicate the truth of the gospel. As I've been processing these verses in my own life over these, um, these weeks and months, um, it's brought to mind people that I pray for on a regular basis, people who haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus, who I long for them to choose to follow Jesus, and I know God longs for them to choose to follow Jesus. Last night I was sitting in my living room, and I was going over these notes for, for our gathering this morning, and I got this text, and it was a message from a, from a dear friend, a friend who in the past God has given me a word for, a, a message for to speak into their, into their life. And I got this text, and it was an encouraging text. It was like some answer to prayer, because it was a bit of an opening of a door to the next part of the conversation uh, about faith, about who God is and what he has done. Are there people, are, are there situations in your life that you are praying about for God to make it possible for you to share the mystery of Christ with? So yeah, prayer, number, number one, prayer is so important. Paul goes on to talk about that what you say and what you do matters. The things that come out of our mouth and the actions that people see in our lives are important. And Paul says this uh, in uh, verses, uh, verse 5 and 6. Verse 5, he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And then in verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. When we're on mission for Jesus, how we conduct ourselves is significant. You know the world is watching, right? Our world is, is looking. How many times have you heard this sentiment, you know, I'd be a Christian if it, if it wasn't for Christians, or, or something along those lines. An observing world finds it difficult to reconcile the followers of Jesus and, and the person of Jesus. And it's because of what they see and what we say and in what we do. 
It's, it matters. How we conduct ourselves matters. Um, commentating on verse 5, uh, N.T. Wright says that Christians should walk in wisdom. That is, follow Christ as God's pattern for full and authentic human living. Our lives should reflect this living. Yeah. One of the things, um, one of the things that I, I learned uh, through our communal experience during the pandemic is that, um, that I definitely can be more gracious with people, <laughs> especially when, when you don't know them, when you're, you're just getting to know them or you don't know the circumstances of their life. Jesus' graciousness is one of the virtues that is not really hard to find when you look at his life when you look at his interactions with people, when you see how he, how he treated the disciples, Jesus modeled a, a gracious life for us over and over again. In, a, in addition to you know, how we live matters and, and, and graciousness being important, Paul tells us that uh, our conversations should be seasoned with salt. Now, this is something that could maybe easily uh, get lost in translation or be a cultural misunderstanding. It doesn't mean that we should use salty language uh, as we talk to people, um, as uh, the, kind of the phrase of our times might be. Uh, rather, this is meant that our words should be flavorful, engaging, and meaningful so that others want to talk to us more. We want to be known by how we talk and what we say. As you talk, you need to be prepared also, it tells us, to explain this relationship that you have with Jesus. Um, Peter puts this in his first, uh, his first uh, epistle. In chapter 3, verse 15, he says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Um, like many people, we had uh, significant family plans uh, scheduled for the end of March 2020. Uh, and this summer, we finally got to live out kind of like half of those plans. Um, we, uh, we went down, as a, the, the four of us, we went down to California for some holidays times. So it's time to get away. We took in some football. Uh, we went to, they have some local amusement parks. Uh, we went and did that and had some fun. Um, one morning near the end of our trip, uh, I woke up not feeling well. And, uh, and so I looked in the eyes of my family and I said, you need to go because uh, this costs money and we're not wasting money. You need to go. I will stay here and rest and when, when I'm ready, when I'm feeling better, I'll come and join you. And so they went uh, in the morning so they didn't miss out on any, any time in the park. And um, late, later on, as I was feeling better later on in the day, I caught up with them. I met up with them uh, in the park. And Cheryl shared this story with me about what they'd experienced that morning as they walked, uh, this, in this case, we walked into Disneyland. We, we stayed at this little place across the I-5, about a 15-minute walk to Disneyland. And so that morning as they walked over the I-5 and as they got to that place where you, that walkway into Disney, um, just before you, you go on that, the walkway and then the security and then the actual parks or whatever, Cheryl said there was this, this man and he was standing there and she said he had the biggest and loudest megaphone she had ever seen. And, um, and then she went on to describe uh, what he was saying to people as uh, they went past. And she said um, his words were not only harsh but on the verge of anger. And she said he was, inviting is not the right word, 
But he was calling people to repentance. He was calling people to repent for, for their sin. And, um, like, I know, and I hope you know that God can work through anything. Like, right? When we read the Bible, we see this. When you read the Old Testament, you see God talking through Balaam's donkey. We know that God can work in any situation, right? He can do anything, right? And so I believe that he can work even through people on a giant bullhorn megaphone shouting at people angrily to repent from their sin. I believe God can work through that. However, it doesn't seem like this is the most wise approach to sharing the good news of Jesus with people. It lacks grace, for sure. Uh, and it will appear to be uh, something that closes people off to further discussion around the gospel. Cheryl told me that as uh, she watched as people went by this gentleman, and you could see, she said, visibly on, on people's body languages and on their facial expressions, how this encounter in impacted them. And she said it was all negative. It was all, people were all so turned off and so disturbed and so frustrated. And the, the gospel is offensive, don't get me wrong, and we could have another conversation about it another time. But, but again, I don't think that that's the most effective way to communicate the gospel. If we are going to be intentional about being a part of God's mission to this world, I think it would be best for us to share the truth of the gospel through relationship. Think about yourself. How did you hear the good news of Jesus? Uh, you know, in a room like this, uh, I'm sure there's many different stories and many different ways this has happened. But I would guess that many, dare I say most, or even the major like a, a significant majority, you heard the good news of Jesus through relationship. It was a, it was a family member who shared it with you. It was, um, uh, it was a friend who, who told you. It was uh, someone you knew who invited you to a place or a gathering or an event where you heard the story of Jesus. Um, I, I, would, I, would, I would guess that's what it looked like. I know that's what it looked like in my story. It was family telling me the good news of Jesus. It came out of relationship. And when things come out of relationship, it's, it's so much more impactful and so much more powerful, which is also helpful for us as we're a part of God's mission to the world. As you look to share the good news of, of Jesus, the people you have relationship will be open to hearing your story. It doesn't mean that they'll agree with you right away or they'll, or they'll choose to follow Jesus right away. But I know that the people who know you, if you said, hey, can I talk to you about something that's really important to me? I think they would be open to listening to your story. They'd be open to listening to what you have to say. Uh, finally, in this section, uh, there's one other thing I just want to highlight for us. And it can be summed up in four letters. Uh, some of you might be familiar with these letters. It's M-I-F-G. Uh, Paul in verse 5, the second part of verse 5, it says, Make the most of every opportunity. From roughly the ages 5 to 25, I grew up uh, a part of, connected to, attending, serving in, um, in one way, shape, or form, a church that was a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's a, it's a denomination uh, that our church is a part of. Uh, I wish we had time. I could talk stories about that and how meaningful uh, the denomination is and my experiences with it, but I want, just want to share one story with you. There was a, the second um, president of the Alliance in Canada was a man named Dr. Arnold Cook. Uh, I'm sure some of you know that name and some of you heard Dr. Cook. And if you heard Dr. Cook, you know what MIFG stands for. 
because he was very well known for using this, I think, almost every time he talked, because I heard him as a, as a young person in my church. I know I heard him as a young person at the late great Canadian Bible College in Regina, Saskatchewan, as a student there. But he would talk about how we all, as followers of Jesus, should make our maximum impact for God. That we should use our lives to do all we can to further the kingdom of God. M-I-F-G. Making the most of every opportunity has um, actually kind of been one of the most difficult things for me in this passage. I've I've struggled with it um, a little bit as I've, over these months. I struggle with it because uh, sometimes, in a desire to be gracious, I can be gracious to the point of not wanting to offend someone. And so I put off, I delay sharing the good news of Jesus. I'm waiting for that perfect moment. I'm waiting for a better time. And I know that I've done this not always for good reasons. I've done this sometimes out of fear, if I'm honest. Fear of losing a friendship or fear of being left out of certain communities, all the while justifying it with more prayer or an assurance that, yeah, I'll get to sharing the good news at some point. Uh, I've been convicted as I've been reading these passages that uh, I need to make my maximum impact for God here and now. I need to make the most of every opportunity. So what's holding us back? What's holding you back? What's holding me back from making the most of every opportunity and making my maximum impact for God? You maybe have things in your heart or your mind that you would say are holding you back as well. So as we, as we follow Jesus and as we're a part of his mission to the world, we would do well to dev- be people who devote ourselves to prayer, be conscious of how we live our lives, and take the opportunities that we, are, that we have to share the good news of the gospel. So how can, how can we apply this to our lives? What might this look like as we scatter from this place, as we leave the service and go and live out being on mission? So let's look at a couple of points of application. The first thing I want to say is this. Um, if you're here this morning in this room or you're watching this online live or sometime in the future uh, and you haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus and you want to know more about that, uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd love to connect with you about that. Um, if you're here, we got time after the service. If, uh, if you're online, uh, go on our website and find me and contact me there. Um, I'd love to talk about that. Jesus died on the cross for everything each and every one of us has ever done that is wrong. And he rose from the dead, overcoming the consequence of sin that is death, that we might be dead to sin and raised to new life in Christ. Again, if you don't know Jesus or haven't yet chosen to follow him, I'd love to talk to you about that more. Uh, second thing is... is uh, it could be described simply in one word, and that is uh, Onesimus. We won't get into all the details of his story, but some of you, uh, as you're listening to this, you might feel like, yeah, I can't really be a part of God's mission to this world. And you might think you have good reasons, um, because maybe there's something you've done in your past, or maybe this, there's something you're struggling with or wrestling with right now, and that keeps you from serving the Lord in this way. Here are some words of hope. It, it's one word. It's onesimus. This is, this is the guy who was with the guy who was delivering the letter to the Colossians. 
And uh, he himself actually was carrying a letter to be delivered because he was this slave who had fled his master. Maybe he had taken some things when he had left his master. And in the course of his life, he had an encounter with Paul. And guess what? Paul shared Jesus with him. And as he came to faith in Jesus, um, Paul said, hey, as you live in obedience to Jesus, I think you need to go back to your master. And so he said, I'm not going to send you back alone. I'm going to write a letter to let, let your master, a dude named Philemon, I'm going to let him know a little bit about your story. And you can read that in, the, 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 in your Bible in, in Philemon. But so he, uh, he writes this letter and he sends him back to his master. Uh, this letter about, uh, Paul describes Onesimus as his beloved brother. Onesimus was redeemed because of who Jesus is and what he has done. One of the tools of the evil one is to make us feel like we are a failure, that we are not good enough, that God can't forgive our sin, and that we'll never be a faithful servant like some of these people we've been reading about this morning. Satan is the father of lies, and he absolutely loves to distort the truth. He longs to use distortion of the truth to create separation between you and and between God. And if you're experiencing that this morning, if you're experiencing a sense of failure, like you're not good enough, or you can't be a part of God's mission to this world for some reason, um, my prayer is that in Jesus' name, the grip that such lies have on you would be broken, and that you would experience freedom, and that you would know who you are in Christ, and that you would recognize your role in God's kingdom as someone who's on mission. Again, if, if, you, if there's some stuff you need to talk about, I'm here for you after the service. There's people from a church family who are here for you after the service. Uh, next thing, uh, complete, the, complete the mission. Uh, in verse 17, we read this. Uh, Tell Arch- Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Who knows what Arch- Archippus' ministry was? Okay, good, because I don't either. <laughs> we, don't really know, we don't really know what this meant. Um, but... Uh, we, we, have, we have no idea, but we know this. We know that God was calling him to something. And Paul gives him this encouragement. See it through. Carry it on. Is there a person that God has laid on your heart to share the, the good news with? Is there, is there a situation or something that God's called you to that you haven't yet lived out? If so, these words are for you this morning. Next, uh, we need to count the cost. Um... I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that being a part of God's mission comes with a cost. Uh, often we talk in, in, in faith about how salvation is a free gift, and it is. It's a free gift, and yet if we actually live into this relationship with Jesus, it, it's going to cost us our whole lives, at least in one sense. But um, as we walk through parts of Colossians, we see, uh, we can't help but notice that Paul mentions that, that he's in chains. Um, that he's uh, writing this letter from prison. Uh, and he writes this himself in, in verse 18 where he says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is not the only time in the epistle that Paul references his chains. Uh, he gave everything to be a part of God's mission to the world. I'm not saying that this is what it will look like for you or for me in, uh, in our world, in the here and now. But we do live in an increasingly hostile world towards Christianity. And the cost that it might 
take in our lives might take on various forms. Like I said before, like I was struggling with, it might mean a loss of a friendship or loss of a community or other things. Uh, the second last thing I want to say is uh, sharing the good news of the gospel, don't do it alone. This is, uh, like most things in the Christian faith, this is not something that is meant to be a solo mission. Now, there are going to be times where it's just going to be you and someone, and you're going to share, share the, the story of who Jesus is and what he's done. Yes. But when I say don't do it alone, I mean when we look at Paul's life, and one of the most interesting things for me as I was studying verses 17 to 18 is you get a glimpse into this community, this network that Paul had as he was on mission. He was never alone, it seems like. He always had people who were with him or who he was partnering with. Uh, the list is long. We could talk about these people for a long, long time, but we won't. But we have gospel writers like Mark and Luke mentioned. Paul's old pal Barnabas is there. There's a whole group of people that he's in partnership with, who he's praying with and praying for and who are supporting him as he is a part of God's mission to the world. You were created for community. If you don't have brothers and sisters in Christ you are regularly connecting with on this journey with Jesus, find some. We have opportunities here as a church. There's some new opportunities coming this fall. Get into community with people. Last thing I'll say is this, um, uh, just a real practical one, uh, and that is Alpha. You might have seen it on the screen uh, before. Um, if you're wanting to share Jesus with someone in a communal setting, Alpha is a great place for you to invite someone to hear the good news of Jesus and also to learn kind of the basics of what it looks like to follow, to follow Jesus. Pastor Jack is doing an adult Alpha series starting on Thursday, September 27th in the evenings here at the church building. Uh, and we'll be doing Youth Alpha for students in grades 6 to 12 starting on Wednesday, October 4th, also uh, here at the church building. Alpha is a great way... Uh, to be able to share the good news of the gospel in a, in a, in a, in a community. We're going to um, transition into a, a time of communion as we close our service together. Um, and uh, as we do that, I just want to say, say this. Um, Pastor Brian, I don't know if it was the first time he spoke or the second time he spoke or both times he spoke, he talked about how some of these things that Paul's right, some of these things he says to the... Um, to the Colossians can kind of just seem, become like a list. Like, a, we got to do this, and we got to do this, and we got to do this. Uh, these things we, we talked about this morning aren't meant to be a list, like a sense of, of duty. Rather, I think I would agree with kind of some of the stuff Brian said, and that they're more a description of what it looks like as we have this intimacy with Christ. As we live out our relationship with Jesus, this is a little bit of a picture of what our lives might work with. And so th these things are not meant to be a burden on you. They're meant to be a picture of what it looks like as we follow Jesus. Um, as we uh, move to a time of communion, um, I, I want to say this, uh, a couple of things. One is, um, this is uh, something we do as a church family. So if you're here and you're visiting with us and you haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus, uh, that's cool. We, we encourage you to observe communion. Uh, as we partake in it together. If you're here and, you, and, you, and you're following Jesus and you haven't got one of these, there's some at the back of the room. You can go and uh, grab them there. We, um, just to kind of connect to what Paul is saying in this, in this passage and in the book, of, uh, the book of Colossians as a whole, is I think it's really important that we understand uh, this whole idea of Christ in us, the hope of glory, is that our lives are dependent on, on Jesus. Uh, we as a church family have kind of five values. You might have seen them before. They're on the walls outside. And one of them is dependence. 
It says this on the wall. It says this on our website. God is the creator and sustainer of everything and everyone. Therefore, we are committed to continually choosing dependence on God and not ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we come to communion, as we remember and as we celebrate who Jesus is and what he has done, we say, we're saying that we are dependent on Christ in us, the hope of glory, to live out this mission that he has called us to. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to just read from Corinthians, and I'm going to use my phone because I need to go see an eye doctor because my eyes are really bad, and I've turned up the, uh, I've turned up the, uh, the size on my phone, and I can hardly see my Bible. Pray for me. Um, <laughs> says this. says this in, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul, again, writing under the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let's, uh, let's just have a moment of silent reflection uh, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you so much for, for who you are and what you've done. Uh, we thank you that you died on the cross. Your, your, your body was given, your blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sin. But not just that, that we could have relationship with you. That we would be empowered to live life the way that you created us to live life. As we've been talking about being a part of your mission to this world, the, the church, your the Christians, your followers, as those, as your agents in this world who go forth and share the good news of, 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 your, of, of your story, of who you are and what you've done. Lord Jesus, we, I pray that we recognize that we do this in total dependence upon you. Lord, I pray you work in a powerful way as we remember you now. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to peel back the top layer. And uh, there's a little wafer that represents the body of Christ. This is a symbol of God's, uh, of Jesus' body on the Christ, uh, body on the cross that was given for you. Let us partake together. And then as you peel back carefully the container, you reveal the juice, this um, most significant symbol of Jesus' blood. Scripture tells us uh, very clearly that there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. The blood of Christ shed for you. Let us partake together. 
I'm going to invite Pastor Matthew and the worship team to come. We're going to close in a song and a word of benediction as we pray for people who are going out on mission for Jesus.